Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 2nd, 2015. I'm sure you're all familiar with the term herd immunity, talking about vaccines and immunizations and so on, herd immunity. And that's how the medical profession describe basically their goals of getting complete herd immunity, everybody on board with vaccinations, everybody getting the vaccinations and ensuring their children get the vaccinations and so on. And that's what they mean by that. And the term's rather nasty now, of course, because we always think of ourselves as something different from the animal. But we're not as far as the boys who run the world are concerned, the ones who own the world in a sense. Because everything and every structure that you live within, monetary and educational, everything, comes from your masters. They designed it a long time ago. It's been perfected along the way. They've ironed out lots of problems. And it's done through propaganda, basically, and indoctrination. Constant indoctrination. Now, the whole idea of the herd, as I say, this term herd, is applied to every other aspect of general society as well. And you'll find propaganda has to be kept very simplistic in its fashion and delivery for the general public. In other words, remember the whole point of a story or a subject and documentary specials put out by the big non-governmental organizations that give you your film boards and so on for nations uh, all have a particular purpose and it is not to make you go ooh and ah when they show you nice little furry animals that may or may not live within your country but the idea is to simplify things they go into various other social problems and so on and by simplifying the problem to begin with and they, they always extract the actual causes or any causes they can find, which everyone can understand, to get their point of view, which is the delivery of the solution to the general population. So you simplify the problem by omitting all the other contributing factors to the problem itself, and you omit any other possible solutions to the problem. It's a matter of what it happens to be. That's basic propaganda. That's how it works. Everything has a purpose and you'll find that for every thought you you're, you could possibly have, there are thousands of folk out there or organizations and governments too, of course, that want to make sure that you have the proper sequence of that thought by ensuring you'll have the standardized background which will enable the, the, the propaganda of that particular thought to follow the designed, pre-designed pattern to the proper conclusion, the one that they want. doesn't mean it's the it's correct one, it's the one that they want. It's so very simple. And most people never ever figure out their entire lives, you're talking about generations here, uh, that everything's designed to make sure that you, are, you conform a particular structure of society designed for you by those who own the nations. It's quite quite simple. That. That's how it really is done. It's, I've often said, too, that for every penny that you earn, 
then there are thousands of companies out there and your governments and everybody else that wants that penny back from you. Uh, so it's the same thing with your thoughts too. That's why there's so much entertainment out today to stop you from thinking about things you could be thinking about or, or questioning and so on and to direct you along the thought of a particular movie with its topics and so on and you get your updates in, embedded within the movies and so on. That's why they're approved and they're authorized and out they go. So you, you cannot almost pretty well get a, an honest story on any particular topic. It's so well constructed today, uh, the systems of neuroscience and behaviorism and all the rest of it, uh, that, that it's very, very difficult to get anything out there that's actual, factual, or, or complete. And most propaganda, as I say, is, in fact, all propaganda is done by the omission of other sides of the story or contributing factors to a story. And that will then, you're left then with a limited amount. You think you've been given all the information and you'll come to the desired conclusion. That's quite a natural thing to do. If you want to control lots and lots of people that read the story. The first thing that must be done to create human herd uniformity is to make sure you have standardized educational indoctrination. Everyone gets the same indoctrination on the same topics, same subjects. The curriculum must be matched. And of course we have that through UNESCO and through various organizations all set up a long time ago by the guys who already ruled the money system and they owned the the governmental system of, say, the early 1900s. I've gone into the history so many times of Lord Alfred Milner and his secretive group, who took, who really ran the British government, the War Department, the State Department, everything, basically. You have to, that's all you have to do is put your boys in on top of every, every major department, and it's quite easy to rule a whole nation. But they'd also had, they had a big vision of stabilizing the whole world under this one system, their system, you see. And that included the indoctrination of every citizen through generation after generation to believe and behave and and so on and reason, in fact, in a certain way, to conform in a certain way to suit the guys who ruled it. And there's hardly a topic you can pick today that that doesn't have its origins in this particular Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, and the myriad of specialized branches and think tanks involved in managing all aspects of human society. It really is, and I mean that, almost impossible. If you dig hard enough, and it's getting harder to dig actually today because you understand the internet is too was put out by these boys and the think tanks they, they, they have worked on what they would give the general public for the internet, what they'd make the public believe about the internet from the beginning, and how great it would be, and you'd have all information at your fingertips. And of course, I didn't tell you that they already ran the boards that set up the major sites that you go for information. So you're getting, again, propagandized information by the omission of other people or facts and so on of any particular story, etc. That's how it's done. It's actually better today. In the past, 
People could often get books published, if not in their own countries, in, in other countries, and they could bypass censorship departments and so on if they'd unpopular or unauthorized views on things. And you could toss these books around for generations. They're getting very scarce today. A lot of these books have just simply disappeared down the memory hole. And you're left with this thing called the Internet and Wikipedia. And you know who owns that and all the rest of it. So you're left with uh, really the authorized opinions, authorized facts, and so on. But the Lord Alfred Milner Group literally had a special department set up on every facet of governing a nation and then all nations, including the amalgamation of countries through warfare. War, war would be the prime reason. Bring countries to their knees through exhaustive wars and then offer them the solution. That was all part of their agenda. They knew they'd have to create the massive uh, loss of life through all of Europe, for instance, and then create massive debt incurred through for, for munitions and logistics and all the different stuff that goes into a war and supplying it. And the countries would simply obey and go under this unified system of the world. They create, eventually, they blossomed into the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, and a host, a massive host of all specialized areas. They set up the League of Nations, which blossomed into the United Nations, and then with all the departments, all, all privately owned, by the way, and not democratic at all, the specialized departments of the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, and the IMF, and their overseas economic development banks, all part of the same system, where they'd use nations then, and their tax money from nations, and give loans out to other countries, including putting all the citizens of the, the nations that gave out the loans down as the guarantors if the country receiving them couldn't pay it back. Uh, this is going on today. But they wanted to amalgamate whole nations into massive trading blocks, standardize the whole system, and then bring in super parliamentary systems running the, those nations all under, and they wanted about three blocks altogether of these trading blocks, three parliaments under a super world governmental system, which we're still working on today, and it pretty well is up and running, as you well know, those who followed it and done their own investigations and followed many of the books I've mentioned over the many, many years. I've been talking about what's happening in the world and why it happens and so on. So we're in a managed society. And as I say, this had a topic in pick today uh, and your whole life for that matter that wasn't part of this strategy designed by the think tanks that work for these the, the private the big private organization that runs the world with all the top editors on board, the publishing companies on board, and top politicians on board, and the lesser politicians that want to get on board with this inner group. There's the inner group and the outer party as well, and that's part of the way the structure of Chatham House, as they call it, is set up. That was the headquarters for all international affairs. It was also the headquarters, naturally, since they already ruled a good part of the world at the time, for the OSS during World War II. In Canada, they have CG. 
as well as the CFR branch, uh, and and so on and so on and so on. Every country across the planet has a branch of them today, working within their state departments and foreign affairs departments for government and for the ones who are part of it too, who give you your information through media. All communications, in other words, and that's how you manage the human herd and their thoughts. And again, they also manage all the departments of the United Nations, naturally do with education, standardizing an educational system throughout the world, and then particular laws on what can and cannot be taught through education. And they've various means of doing that too. So they create a uniform society, you see. Now this great big system that runs the world with this massive amount of think tanks working on specialized projects to do with us, always with us, and the future, and who controls us, and what kind of society they want to upgrade to the next part, and the next part, and the next part. Like a big business plan, basically. It still goes on. And they, they really bring in top professors. A lot of the professors, in fact, university are on board with these agendas. They're put, in fact, they get their tenures and through this big society backing them and the philanthropic organizations which they, they fund universities and so on. So they're a big say in who gets in and who teaches what, etc. And it has been that way for an awful long time. It's just like the CIA having so many, it's been exposed years ago, they had so many people working in the news departments in the States, for instance. And of course, Britain had the same thing with its MI5 and all the rest of it. So all countries are the same that way. But today it's more uniform across the whole globe. And you you make sure that you standardize all news all the time, etc., now, not too long ago, you still had a lot of smaller independent papers which would give you different versions of things and the same stories, in fact, or even give you different stories that weren't mentioned by the big ones, uh, which gave you at least a, a little bit of a variety of things to choose from, to think about, and so on, because that's all the whole purpose is to make you think about certain things. And the first thing you should always ask yourself, why am I supposed to think about this or that or was the, the topic of the day. Who says so? Somebody does, you know. And it's not a spontaneous one-off thing that there are panels of people decide what the thought of the day is going to be. And we're now at this stage because there's so few independent media organizations out there that it's so well standardized across the world that they give you the same stories across the world as well. International stories mainly, which now supersede the national stories, you'll notice, as they bring in a new system of what's now called news, which is either trivia or irrelevancy. But behind it all is the message that you're too dumb and stupid because you're not an expert in this or that or the other to get told anything else and accept that. Accept that. That's the implicit thing behind all of this. Accept that and leave it to your betters to, to, to manage the big affairs of the world. This is the stage we're at today because, as I say, there's no real alternate news out there uh, in, in so-called mainstream media. So accept what you're told and 
a lot of people today really believe that. Well, it's too complicated, whatever governments are up to. It's too complicated for my brain to understand uh, because they're special folk to deal with all of that. And I'm not special, obviously. So I'll leave it to them. You're now trained that this is now normal because this is a new feudal system, you see. And just like the serf in the Middle Ages, you accept your position or mind your place, as they used to say to the peasants. You accept that, you mind your place. And you're not really sore about it or angry about it. You think that's all quite natural. Everything that's done correctly on managing and, and controlling people is all, must always be done correctly. So that's no smoldering of anger towards a, a nasty thing getting imposed upon you can, can burst open in the future. So the c- correct indoctrination, the correct sequencing of changes through the generations must be done properly. That's why they can't skip a particular part of their program, you see. Everything takes time. And in big foundations, remember, which are the front organizations for the big international corporations, all set up by the same private institution a long time ago to do their very thing they're doing now, they make sure that everyone is given the right indoctrination for their particular time in history as they create history, you see. If you have governments, put this way, if governments are elected and then the next bunch come in with their new views or whatever, and they changed anything at all, then big boys who want to control everything would lose their power over the whole total, you see, the total results. But if you have something that's private, working intergenerationally over a century or even two or longer if need be, and you hire guys and give them the tenets of why you exist and your purpose and all the rest of it and what you must accomplish and you have all these think tanks working for you. You can, you can go on for generations changing things along a pre-designed, desired path. And that's what's been done. That's why everything at the end must appear normal to the people even if they end back into a feudal system run by corporations, at least on the surface, you see until it's pretty well indistinguishable what your government happens to be compared to the international corporations, since they're all in bed together. And governments seem to be, as you can well see, if you really keep your eyes open, catering totally to economics and commerce on behalf of the big corporations and building these great big business plans of so-called, so-called, and free trade has nothing to do with what you think is free trade. Uh, which ends up amalgamating the countries into, into uh, like the EU. The EU was set up as, as a first example of how it was to be done. That was very successful for those who designed it, not for the peoples involved, which it rules over, because it's not democratic. It wasn't intended to be democratic. So private institutions run the world with one big one at the top. And... They design pretty well the whole structure of what you think is your reality, as you know it, and they design the same thing for your parents before you. It's pretty well perfect, you see. Now getting back to the trivia they gave you on, on the news, out of all the things that are happening to do 
the things that shouldn't even be happening, like this massive governmental, not you lot, but your government, your governments, all pushing for their secretive talks on trade blocks and finances and everything else that affects all of you, but you're not allowed in to, to say so of what's happening. It's going to affect your life and your children after you. It, that's incredible when you think how easily folk are accepting it. Because again, you've been turned into quietly into a feudal system. You've been designed, your whole reality's been designed for you to grow up in and think this is all quite normal. Leave, leave all these big, complicated things to your betters. You see, the ones who don't use the same toilet seats as you do because they're special, you know. They come out with special wombs and everything. That's the impression, subconscious impression you're left with. And most folk don't reason through things that they're given these impressions that filter them very cleverly, filter down through their consciousness or into their consciousness and the opinions formed. Oh, I can't touch that. I don't know anything about that. That's too complicated for me. Now you take, for instance, the news for the last few days. This is mainstream worldwide news and the main article is about a piece of a plane getting found, this wingtip or something getting found, washed up in Australia, it could be part of some missing plane that went missing about a year ago. Do we really, what difference does that make to your lives, folks? None, none at all. None whatsoever. And yet that's what you're told. Here's, here's your thought for the day. It's absolute nonsense. And while your thought for the day is going on to that nonsense, you, you have what? You have what? You have secret trans-Pacific partnership talks continuing. And here's an article here. Secret TPP talks continue at a luxury hotel in Hawaii as a deal grows more controversial. Now, it doesn't tell you much because no one's allowed into it. Even though there's reporters there, they won't publish anything because they're all belong to the CFR for the U.S. or Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain. And or, or Canada or Australia or New Zealand and so on. But it says the trade ministers are meeting behind closed doors at the Western Resort and Spa in Maui this week to finalise the, the terms of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. This is the first formal round of talks since the US passed the controversial fast-track trade legislation in June, which has given U.S. negotiators a renewed sense of determination as they continue to push the TPP's corporate-driven mandate. Why is your government in bed with the international corporations? Well, they always were, folks. You see? They don't represent you. And this article tries to make out this mainly on intellectual property and digital regulations. No, it's not. It's everything. This is U.S. Trade Representative seeks to wrap up talks by the end of the week. According to recent reports, the U.S. is still pushing for copyright terms, blah, blah, blah. But then you understand, as I say, everything is really, how can you get any truth whatever in secret? How can you even pretend you have a democracy? And I love this, this, this real oxymoron democracy. With its incredible 
antipodal answers for everything at opposites with what you think, you know. What is a democracy? You're not getting represented. Represented. It's the corporations that are getting represented. Private corporations. Because they lobby governments, and they've been running governments for a long, long, long time. All wars in the past, apart from the, the effects it'd have and the massive debt they'd incur on every nation involved, and the banking system that gets all the benefits out of it financially and so on, and power over countries. I mean, really, you think about it all, it's all for a purpose, you see. And you've been trained to think your governments represent you. And what did they give you instead of what you used to think was democracy? See, democracy would affect everybody's lives. And your incomes. And your peace of mind, hopefully. Everybody always hoped it would be peace of mind. When you know you're not going to get fired tomorrow and lose a job or whatever and tossed off on the street like the days of Dickens. But really it still happens today, doesn't it? Now they're doing the same thing with nations when they default on loans. They sell off their nations. It was designed that way. Under all the the new terms they give you, it's the same thing going on all the time. And we accept this, you see, as being normal, even though most folk don't even understand it, really. They think they do. Because you think they still have representative government. Well, if your government represents corporations, when do they have time to represent you? The, the, the corporations have nothing but lobby groups and buildings all around the capitals across the planet, and they lobby on a daily basis for what they want. You have nothing. You have a, a very slow, long process to even find one politician. And then once you tell them what you, you want... He says, well, I, can't, I know it's my constituency, I'll tell you, and, but I'm afraid I can't go with that. I must go with the party. Well, what's the point in having them? So anyway, they talk about this, this uh, secret DPP talks. Then Australia walks away from Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal talks. Another little thing that's been thrown to the public. Because I won't tell you what it's all about, you see. Because it's secretive. It's not going to be disclosed to the public for at least four years, and probably they'll cap it again for another four years or 50 years or whatever else they happen to, to classify it as. So that tells you nothing. A spokesman for Trade Minister Andrew Robb confirmed that a conclusion will not be reached on the $200 billion deal during the latest round of negotiations in Hawaii. Australia has made some excellent progress, but unfortunately some difficult issues were not resolved. That's all they're allowed to tell the public, you see. And he blames the big four, which is the US, Canada, Japan and Mexico. Well, the US, Canada and Mexico are working as a block already through the NAFTA agreement that's now merged in the TPP agreement. And Japan, whether you like it or not, if you, if you, whether you know it or not, uh, really has been owned by the U.S. since World War II. So anyway, th- th- this is what you're given. That's not news at all. No, this is news. The hows and the whys don't tell you anything. 
And then this article comes out and says, Cables show Hillary Clinton's State Department deeply involved in Trans-Pacific Partnership. Well, is that news? Because the Milner Group and even the historian Carl Quigley of the Council on Foreign Relations, which is Rolling Street for International Affairs, who planned all this stuff and they're still planning and running it. And we don't know who the inner group are because they've never published the high members who actually plan it all at the top. We get the other party members often, but we, we can't get the inner group at the top. And they decided a long time ago that they would run every country's state department. It's imperative you do that if you want to run and rule the nation, you see, and all of its economy. Now, to get the next point across, we'll all play stupid, you see, and say, okay, it's about internet governance and all the rest of it, and intellectual property rights and all that, TPP. Let's play stupid here. I'll go to this article, and this article is from the Center for International Governance Innovation. And this particular group is based in Canada at Waterloo, the university there. So international governance innovation. You want international governance, do you? You see? I've mentioned it before, quite a few times, this particular organization. It's a branch of the CFR, or Royal Institute for International Affairs. This private organization again. And they're into everything to do with economics and so on, blah, blah, blah. They standardize the policies across the world. You must get that if you're going to get a, a world government, you see run by the same group that's run us for the last well over 100 years now. And this article says, what is Canada's international copyright policy? And then they go into this long spiel about the, the history of Canada and how it started off with copyright laws and so on, and how in the 1800s the U.S. was taking British books and Canadian books and printing them without paying copyrights on them, reprinting them and selling them back in Canada and across the world and things like that, and yada, yada, yada. And, and this goes through it all and so on. But... I'll put up a PDF as well tonight from this CIGI I just mentioned. And one of the branches of CG, for, you know, let's say the Center for International Governance Innovation, is to govern the Internet. And they were, they somehow, I know, they they just won the lotto to help design uh, the big think tanks and all the projects they put through for Internet governance. It's pure luck they got it. And this is what you're meant to believe. No, they're part of the managing structure, folks, of the same one organization. And it's Global Commission on Internet Governance as well, you see. And I'll put up what they did, because they, they put it all forward. They're, they've been given the priority for designing the governance of the Internet worldwide for all of us, you see. Just by a fluke of nature or something like that, I don't know. That's how they got it, you see. Just pure chance. And this is the stuff they give you as news. Things that affect all of you. And Internet governance also affects all the nations because... Every government uses internet, all the departments uses the internet. Everything is now cyberspace. And once you set up all the policies there, you, you standardize the policies across the planet. 
all working towards what? Amalgamation, you see. And you must have one system. You can't have conflicting systems for one system for world government. Or it's governance, as you like to call it, you see. It's less scary right now, so they call it governance. So you, you can't get a say in anything. You can't get a say in anything at all. Because it's all done by this private, this one private organization with a myriad of branches in every country across the planet who designed the last hundred years. Their top, the politicians who get in as prime ministers and presidents across the world, as Carla Quigley said, who is their own historian, since they have their own version of history, the real version, you see, since they probably boast they've been behind it all, including the wars. He, he, he mentioned that, that this was their, their goal and their intent and everything else, was to guide and lead society towards this one massive system. You know, real, real herd management, the global herd, not just national. And I'll put up another few links from this organization, this branch of the, the one organization that's been set up to bring in uh, all of these different uh, thoughts, new thoughts for you, thinking that, oh, again, I better not think too deeply. They must be very specialized, these people, because it's too complicated for me to understand. Well, on the, one of the PDFs I'll give you, and I'll give you a, a two or three, it gives you their address for the Canadian branch, Herb Street West, Waterloo, Ontario. And they're into every facet of education and everything else to do with you and how your brainwashing is going to go and what you'll get taught and what you won't get taught, etc. In conjunction, it says, and the logo's at the top of this PDF, next to Chatham House, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Now, it's interesting that they don't often show you who's behind it. I guess the time is right now for them to come forward and claim the accolades, the applause for them helping to get us to this particular new feudalistic system, as their own historian called it. A new feudal system, basically, with international corporations running the show. As they privatize your water, they privatize all your institutions that were set up, your gas supplies, you name it, water supplies, and private to their own corporations, of course. You know, because they can manage it better than you. As those who have paid in Canada and Ontario and so on for their electricity, which is so vastly expensive today, when they privatized it, when they, and they started off the charge by saying, well, it'd be more, more, uh, more efficient and, and, and more cost-effective, etc., etc. And the same thing with the water as they go across the planet, grabbing up the world's water supplies and every other supply you can imagine. They're actually going after a whole of the world's real estate, in fact, because the future eventually will be rental only. So big consortiums will own the world's real estate for rent, you see. That's another story, too. There's nothing they haven't missed because their, their job is to manage all of society. And they'll set up think tanks who are actively involved in instituting the ideas they came up with to make it all work for their masters, you see, the top. 
And Chatham House, remember, as I say, um, it wasn't just the headquarters of the OSS, World War Two, uh, And that spawned, of course, the CIA for the U.S., MI6 for Britain. Uh, but it, was, it, was, it resumed its function again as the hub of the whole British Empire system after the war. And the reason he used it as a headquarters because they had all the agents across the planet that already were agents for this world governmental system, natural spy system, you see. That's another story again. And remember, I'll put all these links up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. If you want to go into the Royal Institute for International Affairs or of International Affairs, and their history, uh, go over to the talks I've given at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and the archive section. I've given lots of talks of the history of it all and uh, their, their purpose and function and all the rest of it. Every politician across the planet drools to work their way up until they're asked into participating and belonging as a, as a member to the Council of Foreign Relations, which is the American branch or Royal Institute of International Affairs for the British branch, or Canadian Institute for International Affairs, the Canadian one, Australian, New Zealand, there's even one for India, and they have other ones across the rest of the world now. But they drool to get into this club. You have to be asked into it. And you're widely vetted with guarantees of doors opening for it for your career. If you go along with it and join it, you see. Guaranteed. And you must stick to the rules. Chatham House rules and you must stick to their agendas and work hard towards it and you don't even need to understand it or if it will actually work or even believe in it in other words you must simply go along with it because it really is a belief system for a lot of those who don't understand it they work too hard towards it so anyway as far as news goes as I say we, we get a new form of what we think is news, just like a new form of what we think is democracy. Democracy today has to do with gay rights, apparently. See, they pick small sewings of society, and you still think you're getting democracy. No, no. Your whole livelihood here is being altered. Your future of livelihood for your children is being completely altered through complete global agreements on future economics and present going into the future. Everyone's going to be affected here. And that's how they've carefully swung over from what you thought democracy was to this new brand of democracy. And even the articles here from CG, organization just mentioned, uh, they just tell you, oh, they're on about the, uh, really your, your patent rights for your countries. No, 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 no. It's everything, folks. Everything. So you don't get news anymore. And again, news, just like democracy being altered, or the meaning of news is, is, is rubbish. You're not told real news. Everything's secret or national security, you see. But you'll all go and vote again, won't you? So there is CG, Center for International Governance Innovation. Basically, it's for governance of the planet and, and all of that lovely stuff, you see. You gotta understand to run the world and to take it over and rule it, like the old song goes, everybody wants to rule the world. You gotta have these men of vision 
and it's always the ones who own it at the time that come up with this idea of how they're always going to own it in the future, but more, more efficiently, you see. That's what it's all about. And then you have the Global Commission on Internet Governance. It's also part of CG, you see. They're given the job to decide on Internet Governance, as and many other things to do with uh, <laughs> governance as well. And, and they're part of Chatham House, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They used to be called that Lord Alfred Milner Group. It was highly secretive up until they, they came out into the open. And it used to be called the Milner Group and various other names, of course, because they were into all the economics of every Commonwealth country. And I had the idea of taking over all of the world's resources. What's happening today through your governments and corporations, taking over all the world's resources. That's all from this one organization at the top, and you can't get away from it. Now, the CG is also like the group that's given the idea for... Uh, basically managing the internet and putting all the laws on it for international groups and so on and, and countries, then you've got to look into, say, for instance, Euromania. I'll put that link up tonight. It's a documentary. It came out 2014 from Holland. And this reporter went across the EU countries. They used to be sovereign, and now over 70% in their laws and, organi- and, and what, what comprises government is all run from the super parliament system that nobody wanted except the guys who invented it, of course, and set it up. And who was that? The secretive group behind it was your finance, the Royal Institute for International Affairs again. But anyway, that's how it was done. And how did they set up uh, this whole idea of Europe to begin with? And you find out that the guys were sent out, members of the, the secretive organization were set out long ago to find ways to, to bring this country together. And they said that democracy would never work, just like their other organization. They have all these think tanks, one of them I've mentioned before, the first global revolution organization, a big think tank that did uh, put out that book. And, f- and they said they're in it that... Um, Democracy would never work. It just would never work. That think tank was called the Club of Rome. Again, a part of this massive consortium of think tanks put out by the one organization been on about all night. They also came up with the idea of how would they get society to, again, amalgamate to fight common enemies and so on. Well, man would be the enemy and he would cause... Destruction in the environment, global warming, and all the rest of it. That would fit the bill, actually, said the idea that man was behind all the changes, of course, and they need a superstructure of a new system to, to run the world in a kind of socialistic fashion. But private organizations at the top would run it all on behalf of the big corporate boys at the top, of course. So nothing changes. It's one organization at the very top with all these organizations underneath it and getting back to the old Royal Institute of International Affairs where they also had the kind of merge with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation. The, the whole idea of the Rhodes Society, along with Lord Rothschild at the time, who was a partner with Rhodes, was to take over the world's resources. What you see today, water supplies taken over by particular corporations, uh, and a very few of them, same with gas supplies, all energy, and you have your agri-food businesses too, 
with the five major boys that run the world's agri-food business. So they're taking over everything to do with human and, and animal life, for that matter. Not that they see us as any different from the animals. So you're run by all these private organizations, none of which you vote for, none of which you, most folk even know exist or what they're there for. And their members run the media and all the rest of it to make sure, and the educational system, to make sure that most folk in generation after generation grow up in blissful ignorance, not knowing what's really running the world, but thinking they do. So that's the, the beauty of the con, of course, of managing everything across the board. And they set up, the, as I say, the world educational system to make sure we all get the same indoctrination. So getting back to Euromania, you'll find out the guy does talk to different politicians there, but they have no power. And, and Europe uh, was set up with a commission, a secretive commission that makes all the policies and so on and laws and runs all the countries. And it's a massive, massive cash cow from all the money they grab from all their countries are already paying their taxes to their so-called national governments now have the superstructure of to go and they're using every country's central banks which also was set up in advance by the the international monetary fund and the bank for international settlements which is all part of the royal issue of international affairs is set up in the first place so you get back to the same group over and over and over again folks for this global system and uh, they're on every facet of your life, your thoughts, your programming, you might say, from birth to death. But uh, how did Europe come into existence with a, as far as this superstructure goes? And I'll put up an article of one of the key players who put forward who belong to the same organization. Man, this organization, as Carl Quigley has said, for the Council of Foreign Relations dash um, Royal Institute of International Affairs were often mistaken for communists because they had all kinds of members inside of it. And he said himself, we don't care who joins us as long as we're on board and, and they can help direct the plans and shape the policies of all these different groups, you see. And what they're, they're creating is a socialistic system to manage everyone's lives minutely, absolutely minutely from birth to death, a uniform society where everyone's predictable, that's where you're all getting spied on so much. And we run, in actual fact, we run at the top by big private corporations and individuals at the top. Incredibly wealthy people, of course, at the very, very top of all of this. As it's always been really in the history of the world, isn't it? So I'll put up this, this article about uh, one, one of the, the players, Jean Monet from France, who's a member too, and um, he was uh, from a very incredibly rich family, as his, his name would suggest, money, as all close to money, and he became a top banker with the, the League of Nations after the World War I, and he made a massive killing off that from all the loans that countries were handing out to different countries involved in World War I. And... Uh, a big player in all of that. And he also didn't believe that democracy would work. The people were too fickle. Uh, in other words, he didn't like the idea that everybody could have their own opinions and, and ideas about things. He wanted to standardize the world too. So he helped create this idea to work towards a European Union. He also knew because it would take wars to bring them to their knees. And that's why you had world wars. Now, how did these particular founders of the European Union 
get the union in the first place? How did they bypass governments of nations to create this? And if you go back into their history, into the little bit that they give it you about it, but I'm sure most of it excised out of it, it says the European is a geopolitical entity covering a large portion of the European continent. It is founded upon numerous treaties. Well, what you're getting passed on now is more free trade treaties and so on, which naturally means supranational bodies have to be developed to make new laws. It says undergone, undergone expansions have taken it from six member states to 28. Uh, as distinct from ideas of federation, confederation, or customs union, the main development in Europe depends on a supranational foundation. And the, the guise they used for it was to make war unthinkable and materially impossible. Remember interdependence? You've heard that term over and over again. It says, and reinforce democracy. Well, that's the lie part, because they don't really believe in what you think is democracy. And it goes on about the different links. I'll put them up tonight to the European Declaration and so on. The principle was at the heart of the European coal and steel community. That's how they first started it, by getting big international corporations to amalgamate together into a community, not, not a federation, but a community, you see. And it was called the ESSC in the Treaty of Paris, 1951, following the Schumann Declaration and the later uh, the Treaties of Rome. That's another one that did the Treaty of Rome, establishing the European Economic Community. So private magnets formed this corporation, basically. And that started off the European Economic Community. And then the European Atomic Energy Community joined it, you see. Then remember getting back to the Lord Alfred Milner group. They wanted the system of world domination to be run on the British system of how Britain was already dominated with this empire at that time. With a small group of people in London running the whole show. And they also called them themselves secretive uh, terms, and they didn't want the public to even know they existed at the time, that they were behind so much, including the Boer War. And again, the historian admits that they were behind the Boer War. And they drummed up from the Boer War times propaganda uh, right up to, to World War One against Germany to get people ready to go to war with Germany because they wanted world war again to bring folk to their knees. And that's part of the reason the given in the Europe Declaration for the, the European Union uh, for its, its, its creation to make war unthinkable. It sounds quite natural. You thought, oh, that's a good idea. But didn't tell you that they helped cause the wars in the first place and profit mentally from them, all the corporations involved and private individuals. So they, they formed a, a community, that, well, they call it the European community, you see, now. So it goes from, from, a, from, from European coal and steel community to the European community, a political entity, you understand? And to get from there to there, a political entity, you must then form supranational bodies that eventually duplicate everything national governments do, but departments until you are the supranational government. And that's how they did it. Clever, eh? 
And then they're, they're going to their next phase now with amalgamation of Canada, the US, Mexico, and other countries in Latin America, and various other countries, including Japan, and bring them into the next part of the treaty, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, for this new supranational community, which is government, basically. Because then they'll have to say, well, well, you know, it's so complex, now we'll need to establish it and declare it as an actual government itself. You understand? That's how it's done. And they wrote about this, again, through their own history, historical records, by their own historians who published on them. Amazing, isn't it? But you won't hear it in the mainstream media because the mainstream media, most of the top reporters, all belong to this private organization. <laughs> and the whole intention was never to let the public know what was actually ever really going on. It's not clever, though, eh? You've got to admit it. Uh, all deception, of course. All deception. It's like the definition of conspiracy. That, that word has been it's, it's made a, a kind of a joke now. Because the CIA, back in the Kennedy assassination, actually said to put out the term conspiracy to brand all people who were questioning things, the official reports, as nutcases. And they're still prattling about the day, of course, with uh, what's happening in the world. Oh, you're part of the conspiracy movement. And unfortunately, they've made sure the conspiracy movement, as they call it, has been completely diluted. And, and to, make, to be made into a laughing stock, we're adding all the, the space aliens and, and there's even ghost folk in it and shadow people and all this nonsense they put into it until it's all laughable, you see. It's all laughable. That's counterintelligence, that's what you call it. But, but, the, but the definition of conspiracy is two or more people uh, meeting in secret to plan, to make a plan, which they'll follow through on, which would be detrimental and against the wishes of all those it will affect, meaning the general population. That's exactly what it is with this. Uh, let's create a little a little commission, you see, a community, and, and then you take over whole nations, you see, under a European Union, then uh, uh, yeah, a Far Eastern Pacific Rim group as well, set up by the CFR group as, again, since World War II, and the one for the North American Union as well, which is all amalgamated in the DPP. One group running the world, running it properly, mind you, and they'll, they'll give you a new idea of democracy, and you still think you're democrat. Well, you know, they've given gay rights, and they've given this rights, and so... No, they're omitting what, what democracy is all about, to benefit all the people, folks. And if you can't plan on surviving, even economically, uh, you ain't going to be a happy camper, you know. Now with your children, if you can afford them. Mind you, they have all these social plans, all pre-planned, because once they have risen to their heights, and you see it in all directions as they push the different groups to ban uh, willy-nilly, as you call it, uh, procreation uh, for children, and eventually only certain folk will be given authorization to, to breed, you see. Because eugenics is a big, big part of the elite's uh, belief system and uh, historical system as well. As you can read any history books, uh, even in religious books too, for that matter. So, we're living in a, a, in a make-believe world, planned by think tanks. 
and and pushed and implemented through their institutions, including the educational systems, all standardised through United Nations groups, and and so on. It's is quite something, isn't it? It really is something. You got to admire them, men of vision, as I say, they call themselves. The general public, the silent majority, kind of drift. They, what they say in their own words is, well, they go, you know, they breed, and you know, they have, and they go off and do their own things, and they're kind of happy, and blah blah, and their children grow up and and hopefully take over, blah blah, uh, but they don't do anything with their lives really. It's only these guys, the movers and shakers, matter to, to the boys at the top, the movers and shakers, the guys who are bold, they love love knights. That's why they all knight each other and all that. They love getting knighted. They have a quest and a mission. They are men of vision, and and they they do things audaciously, things that the general population members would never do. Oh, that'd be unthinkable. They'll do it, you see, including causing wars if need be. So how can you how can you possibly compete with that with any other system? Of course. Especially when you have a, a system that's given the reality to all those around you. And, and very well implemented too, I might add, because the general population will tell, oh, I don't want to hear that, it's too, yeah. They don't want to hear it. They're trained already. Like Sunstein said about his pals in neuroscience, how they train society with their default positions. So certain things are, are mentioned and, and they go right back to their default. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. See, upsets them. Total war means total war, and the first one, which you must get, is complete domination of the mind. That's so important. Now, remember, folks, to use cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Lots of information going back many years on lots of these topics to make sense of what really is happening without the nonsense. You see. And remember, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughmedias.com website. Or you can donate as well. It helps me tick along through the crisis after crisis here. And hopefully, we'll all benefit in some way from this information. From Hamish Masella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to be your God or your God's go with you. Yeah.